0: Yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. 28 verses 9 and 10 says whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine and then he answers them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts for precept must be upon precept precept upon precept line upon line here a little and there a little If you're serious about your walk with God, and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word, line upon line.
1: saw last week the triumph of Jesus Christ at his return and the crushing of this rebellion in chapter 20 we're going to see the imprisonment of Satan and the triumph of the Saints let's begin with a word of prayer our Heavenly Father we come before you and just thank you so much God for the precious gift that you gave to Jesus Christ for him to give to us so that we could understand and foresee what is going to take place on this earth very soon We thank you so much, Father, for your graciousness, for your kindness, for your mercy. We pray, Father, for more of your mercy this evening. We pray that you'll help us to better understand your word, and that in this depth of understanding, you will deepen our conviction, deepen our faith, uh, just deepen our love for you, for Christ, and for one another. We thank you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So let's uh, get straight into the text, Revelation chapter 20. and it begins in verse 1 where john says that he saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand so he's definitely uh, a being on a mission he's got this key to the bottomless pit which was opened earlier and, and the demonic forces came out but now he's going back to open it up and and this time he has a great chain in his hand Uh, for a purpose and it is to bind the devil many people believe that God is in a struggle uh, with the devil nowhere in the book of Revelation do we get the sense that God is in a struggle Uh, God is on his throne Uh, there's peace in heaven God is being glorified Uh, Satan is most certainly in a struggle Um, but when when it's time now to bring Satan's misery to an end his struggle to an end God sends a mighty angel and the angel takes care of the devil there's no contest between god and the devil as many assume so the angel comes down with this uh, great chain in his hand and he laid hold on the dragon that old serpent Uh, john writes that he's the old serpent the ancient serpent which is the devil and saint satan and bound him a thousand years so he's bound for a thousand years now this reference to the old serpent is going all the way back to Genesis chapter three, the the serpent that was in the Garden of Eden, and that that deceived our forefather, and 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 Eve, oh sorry, deceived Eve and 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 uh, triumphed over our forefather. Uh, this is the ancient serpent that he is referring to, and so he bound him, uh, and it says in verse three, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up. And set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more and this is going all the way back now to uh, the first seal that we saw in Revelation 6 when this this uh, white horse this rider on a white horse went out conquering and to conquer and he was a deceiver and so this deception this blanket of deception has been covering all the nations and all the nations have gone mad. And they're all, they've are they all fully invested in this Babylonian system, whether they're kings or merchants, great, mighty billionaires. Uh, they've all bought in to this, this deception that has spread all over the world. And so there is this global collusion with the devil. And it's through deception. And now he, the devil is bound up. Here we see in chapter 20 so that he can deceive the nations no more. That, that is what he does. He's the adversary, but he's the deceiver. And that, what, what the deceiver does is deceive. And so his whole existence is around deception. He says, I will be like the Most High. And so he wants all the world to worship him. And he has been working through, as we've been reading through, this uh, political beast as well as this religious beast uh, to fool the world into worshiping him because he will be like the Most High. And so now this mighty angel binds him and imprisons him in this pit for a thousand years so that he can deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled. So we get a sense here that there is this uh, countdown that he is, he's, he, he, uh, when he's bound, the, the, the clock is set and he's to be bound for a thousand years. And then notice what the text says. It says after that he must be loosed a little season so there's a, a little season that he's allowed to be loosed so he's bound for a thousand years the clock is ticking and he's a deceiver so there's no deception for a thousand years and then when thousand years is fulfilled he's released and the scripture says it's necessary And so we'll talk about why it's necessary as we come further down in the text but but just note that the existence of the devil on earth interacting with mankind is necessary it was necessary in the Garden of Eden and it has been necessary ever since and it will be necessary right up until the marriage of Jesus Christ right up until the end of uh, as we see the end of this chapter the final judgment it's necessary And it says here and I saw thrones so so John is saying look this is what I saw I saw thrones and they sat upon them so Satan has been bound and now John says he sees thrones and and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the Word of God. And which had not worshipped the beast neither his image neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands and this really is the point so right at the beginning when we began in revelation 1 verse 1 it opened with john writing the revelation of jesus christ which god gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass and so the purpose of the revelation is for us to understand all these things that are gonna happen, but to actually see the finish line, that the, the beheading of the faithful saints is not the end. And so this is going to be a bloody mess. It's gonna be a terrifying mess. But if we didn't have this revelation, we would think that's the end, and what a horrible end it was. But because of Christ's gift to us, which God gave to him, he's given to us, it's been coded, signified, but he's allowing us to to decode it and understand what it says. So as we come to understand what it says, we see the end. And we understand that Satan will be bound. That the the beast and the false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire. That all those who receive the mark of the beast or 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 his name or his number worship him will receive the wrath of God but for those of us who are faithful witnesses and who wash our sins in the blood of Christ and faithfully hold to his testimony and keep the things that he has given us then the power of the beast is just a blip it's a three and a half year blip and then it's over and so we hold on to the testimony of christ and now john says wow look what i see i see thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them and this is going to be righteous judgment that 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 we who are given this judgment are going to exercise the judgment of jesus christ all judge the, the father doesn't judge all judgment has been given to christ and christ is going to delegate that judgment or much of that judgment to his Saints and so judgment was given he says this is just so inspiring I saw thrones so so he sees these thrones he says I saw thrones and judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded why were they beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the Word of God." So this is why they were beheaded. They held on to the witness of Jesus and they taught the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast. The whole world is going after the beast. They refused. Neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they, they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now notice again chapter 1 when John opens up the revelation to us. He says, I, John, who also am your brother. I'm also your brother. So I'm a prophet, and I've received this revelation. But let me tell you, I'm also your brother. And not just your brother, I'm your companion in tribulation. So I'm I'm, uh, walking the talk here. I'm suffering in tribulation for the word of God. And I'm encouraging you to do the same. And it's, you know, Christ is not asking us to do something that He didn't do. And John is not asking us to do something that He didn't do. They've done it. And so this is this is our calling. And this is what understanding the Book of Revelation is all about. It's about faithfulness to Christ. And we have so many Christians uh, in the lap of luxury and abundance. And just sort of skipping around is isn't it lovely to know Jesus do you know the Lord brother it's lovely to know Jesus they have not faced this terror and this is more than I love Jesus this is I know Jesus and he's furious and you will get your comeuppance and I am NOT going to worship the Beast I'm going to stand faithfully in Christ that's what this is about and that's why it's important for us to see the end before the whole show even begins, so that we can remain faithful. And John is saying that this is, I'm your brother and I'm your companion in tribulation. And in the kingdom, and notice, and patience of Jesus Christ, the kingdom and the patience of Christ go together. You can't have the kingdom without the patience because Christ is not gonna act right away. He's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And more martyrs are being added, and more martyrs are being added. And, and, and the saints just have to be patient, because the kingdom, we possess our souls with our patience. The kingdom comes with patience, and that patience comes with a vision, or with the vision. And that's what Revelation is all about, to give us the vision so that we will have the conviction and the patience. So he says, uh, I'm your brother and your companion in tribulation, but that's not the end of the story. I'm your companion in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ. And I was in the isle that is called Patmos. That is, I was uh, banished, I was exiled there. Why, why was he in the isle that is called Patmos? Well, they tried to, to kill him, and that didn't work. So then they exiled him. And I think uh, legend has it that they tried to boil him alive, but he lived through that. And so then they exiled him to Patmos. Why was he exiled? notice for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ and the Saints that are beheaded are beheaded for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ these are the things that he says uh, blessed is he who reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy so here I am claiming this blessing because I'm reading the words of this prophecy and here you are claiming this blessing because you're hearing the words of this prophecy, but we don't get the blessing just by reading and hearing. He goes on to say, and keeps those things that are written herein. So, so these things that, that are written therein, the prophecy, we have to understand them and then keep them. Because somebody, namely the devil, is going to try to take this away from us. And it's going to be a struggle. And Christ says, blessed is he that endures until the end it's going to be a struggle it's going to be intense but we have to hold on to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and it may very well cost us our lives but this is just the physical life it's eternal life that we are laying hold on to and so our vision is to cross the finish line and have Jesus Christ say to us well done you good and faithful servant and so he's been exiled and he's suffering in tribulation because he's held on to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he's our companion in this. He's saying, look, I've gone through this. You have to go through it as well. And now notice when he introduced Jesus Christ, he says that the revelation, or or say, he says the the, uh, grace and peace, he's writing to the seven churches, which are in Asia, and he says, grace and peace be unto you from Jesus Christ, notice, who is the faithful witness. Jesus is not asking us to do something that he hasn't done. And so he's asking us to be faithful witnesses. And just as he says to the apostles, you have to be faithful witnesses. And all of them were martyred. John, they tried to martyr him, but it failed. So he was exiled. All the martyr all of the apostles suffered by bearing witness of Jesus Christ. This is not uh, an easy load that we're carrying to be Christians. It is a very heavy burden. And that's why he gives us this gift of revelation, so that we get the vision, and we get the conviction. And he's not asking us to do something he hasn't done. He's the faithful witness, and he was slaughtered, he was martyred. You know, many say Christ was the sorry uh, Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Actually, Christ was the first Christian martyr for his faithfulness. But notice it doesn't end there. He was the faithful witness, but with that, he became the firstborn of the dead. So now what we're seeing in Revelation 20 are the rest of the the, 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 the secondborn, you could say, the firstfruits, the secondborn. So Christ is the firstfruits, the first of the firstfruits, and then we are the firstfruits, so we come after Christ. He's the firstborn of the dead, and then the faithful Christians come up next as the firstfruits. So it's this combination of being a faithful witness and then the resurrection faithful witness the resurrection Christ was a faithful witness the resurrection John was a faithful witness looking forward to the, the resurrection Paul was a faithful witness looked forward to the resurrection all the faithful saints looking forward to the resurrection including those that we saw in revelation chapter 6 which we'll go now he says oh sorry let me just no, I don't want to skip over this so he's the faithful witness He's the firstborn of the dead and also he's the prince of the kings of the earth so all the kingdoms of the world are going to be given to him and then he's going to give these kingdoms to us the Saints and so he is the true prince of the kings of the world Satan wants to be this but he's going to be chained and locked up and Christ is the earth's rightful ruler he's going to be a king over the Kings and he's going to give those kingdoms to his Saints unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and this is now you know here we are the evening before Passover and this is what we're going to be celebrating at Passover that Christ has washed our sins away from us in his own blood he did this for us and this second Passover that we are looking forward to so there was the original Passover and the original Exodus now there's this second Passover and the second Exodus which is going to be on a scale that's going to cause the first Exodus never not to be spoken of anymore it's going to pale into insignificance compared to the second Exodus which is coming but it comes after the second Passover and so we have to claim the blood of Christ so that the wrath of Christ passes over us he is fiercely angry he is fiercely angry and then what we see as we study Revelation is how angry Christ is And this is why we have to study Revelation, because if we study the Gospels, yes, there are moments of anger in the Gospels, but he came as the suffering servant in the Gospels, and he was a man on a mission, mission accomplished. Now that the mission is accomplished, the Christ that's coming is fiercely angry. He is fiercely angry. And the the same way that the Jews didn't recognize Christ, because they were looking for this, this conquering king, And instead, the suffering servant came. And they didn't recognize the suffering servant. Well, I think many of us Christians were so steeped into the Gospels that we're looking for the suffering servant, but it's a conquering king that's coming. And he is angry. And so we have to uh, get ourselves rid of any stains of the Babylonian system. Get rid of it. Wash these stains away in the blood of Christ and be pure before him. So that when he comes his wrath passes over us but this is what he's done for us and he's asking us to, to to be a christian is to follow jesus christ and so we saw in revelation 6 that white robes were given unto the martyrs every one of them and it was said to them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled and so these saints many of them were beheaded uh, slaughtered and they're told be patient you have achieved a great honor you have you are going to rise first and you're going to be given positions of great honor but hold on there are more saints that need to be added to this number and symbolically this is 144,000 saints that are going to be given tremendous honor because they stood up to the beast they stood up to satan in this last hour And Christ Christ is going to reward those of us who are so privileged to stand through this. And it's why it's so important for us to really understand the revelation, because we have false teachers out there saying, if you're faithful, nothing will happen to you. Your skin will not be touched at all. And it's only the unfaithful that will suffer martyrdom. And as we read Revelation, it's actually quite the reverse. It is the faithful that get the opportunity to suffer martyrdom. And then Jesus Christ rewards them so profoundly and that's what John is saying that he sees and, and here in Luke when Christ was on earth he said he said to him uh, well you good servant because you've been faithful in a very little just very little have you authority over ten cities so all the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of Christ and he then is going to give these kingdoms and these cities and this authority to his saints and this is what we are this is our focus is to reign and rule with christ not just for a thousand years but for eternity he goes on here in daniel 7 daniel saw this vision he said i beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancients of days did sit so all of this babylonian system gets thrown down when the ancients of days then sits whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. In verse 22, until the ancients of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. Our God speaks with one voice. All the prophets have the same vision. And so John is now seeing that the judgment was given to the saints. Well, this this is not new. Daniel saw this thousands of years ago. And he said he saw, he saw judgment was given to the saints. So this is real, this is real. We are going to exercise the judgment of God. And this again is why it's so important for us to wash our sins in the blood of Christ and get rid of the Babylonian system and, and Ishtar and, and Semiramis, the, the, the great whore and all of these, um, the, the sinfulness because we don't want to end up like the Corinthians When the Corinthians dabbled in sin, when they compromised, when they accommodated sin, they became very sophisticated and believed themselves to be more righteous than God. And Paul came in and looked at the situation and just said, no, 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 no. Why are you rejoicing in this? You should mourn. You should mourn. And this person that's involved in this sinfulness should be taken away from you. You should deleaven your congregation because you have to face Jesus Christ. And and he's angry, and so get rid of all of this. Deleven your 11 your lives, so that instead of facing the wrath of God, you can join the wrath of God, and and he can he can trust you with his judgment, he can give his judgment to you, and know that you will judge the way he did. You know when King Saul was given judgment, he was told to uh, slaughter the king of Agag, and instead of slaughtering the king of Agag, he spared him, because he thought you know. If we're not successful in the future and we get captured, I I hope that whatever, I can kind of set a tradition here among kings that we don't slaughter each other. Samuel came along with the judgment of God and he slaughtered the king, he hacked him to pieces. And that was the judgment, the righteous judgment of God. And that's the judgment that we will render when when we see eye to eye with Christ. And Christ knows that he can trust us and he can give us his judgment. And it's not going to be this sort of wild-eyed, you know, we're so wrathful that we just judge. No, it's going to be righteous judgment. We're going to look at the crime, we're going to look at the situation, and then we're going to look at the law book. And we're going to, we're going to judge according to the law book. You know, There was a documentary that I saw on uh, Nuremberg and how when the Allies came, uh, Winston Churchill actually wanted just to slaughter all the Nazis. And, and they said, no, we cannot do that because then, you know, brutality prevails. We must subject them to law and order. And so, and I forget the, the quote exactly, but it was so poetic, I should have actually uh, memorized it. But it had to do with, you know, at, at this time of judgment, when they had the opportunity to just unleash revenge, they didn't. Instead, the rule of law prevailed. And they, they went through and they itemized the crimes, and then they judged according to the law and that's what we will do if we are in league with Christ we will judge according to the law if we have our own desires we're we're gonna not really be in in in, uh, uh, compliance with the way Christ thinks so judgment is given to the Saints of the Most High and the time came that the Saints possessed the kingdom so John is just seeing in more detail much more vivid detail what the Prophet Daniel saw and he says here in Daniel 12 Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting content. So Daniel's making it clear to us that, you know what? Not everybody that goes to sleep rises to glory. Some rise to glory, but others, because they compromised, because they went along with the beast power, when they rise, it's to everlasting content. So this is, again, why we're given this vision ahead of time so that we're not going to be offended. All these things are going to happen to us and around us. And we're just going to hold the line because we have this vision of the future. Coming back to Revelation uh, chapter 20 and verse 4, he says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the Word of God so you would have thought that was the end but it wasn't the end because Christ has the keys to the grave and which had not worshiped the beast nor his image nor his received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished this is the first resurrection so this is really important for us to understand now that John is telling us that there is a first resurrection and it is so superior, so much superior to the second resurrection. And you know, I I hear sometimes through my life in, in, in Christ that I hear brethren sometimes say, oh, they'll come up in the second resurrection. Oh yeah, you know, they don't really accept Christ now, but they'll come up in the second resurrection. And they say it in such a way as if to say, coming up in the second resurrection is okay you know what they're they're not really called now or they're not accepting their calling now they'll come up in the second resurrection everything's everything's okay second resurrection everything's fine the first resurrection is the better resurrection and everything is not fine with the second resurrection to to any extent possible we are praying that people accept their calling of Christ uh, from God to Christ now because if by any means they can attain the first resurrection That's what this life is all about. The second resurrection is dicey. And this kind of notion that, you know, the second resurrection is okay. And most everybody who's been created, uh, almost everybody will be in the kingdom because you know what? They'll come up in the second resurrection. The Bible says no such thing. So John points out to us here that this wonderful vision of those who were faithful to Christ to the very end and. Uh, even to, to, they love not their life unto the death. They come up, and he sees them seated in thrones. And he sees judgment given to them. And and now the perpetrators and all the wicked are brought before them for judgment. That's what he says. And he says, this is the first resurrection. Then after this, the rest of the dead, their resurrection comes later. But there's a resurrection of the, the, the saints now, and then there's a resurrection that comes after a thousand years. But he says this is the first resurrection and then notice what he says blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection so there's he sees this first resurrection a thousand years later he sees another resurrection and he's like uh-oh that that second resurrection <laughs> blessed blessed and holy is he that that is a part in the first resurrection because the second resurrection is no picnic. It, it, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Blessed, And that's why he says at the beginning of the, the text, we're blessed for reading Revelation. And the one who reads it, the one who hears it, and the ones that keep what's in it. Because the blessing is here. We'll be in the first resurrection. Why is the first resurrection so blessed? And why are those in the first resurrection so holy? He tells us on such the second death has no power so this notion that oh they'll be in the second resurrection oh yeah they didn't accept their calling now but they weren't baptized and so they'll be in the second resurrection well you know what everybody who comes up in the second resurrection the second death has power over them that coming up in the second resurrection is no picnic and in fact it could lead to their non-existence, it could lead to them going out of existence, and that's what this, that's what death means. Death means you cease to exist. But this, the first death, is just a temporary death. It's asleep Christ called it a sleep when he was on earth, because we'll wake up again. But the second death, is it, you go out of existence, and and John is saying here, that the second resurrection is no picnic, and do all you can, to be in the first resurrection. Because you don't want the second death having power over you. And the second death has no power over the saints that come up in the first resurrection. Instead, it says, they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And that's again how the text opened, that Christ washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he made us kings and priests unto his God and his Father. And so this this is the mission is to bring Israel to God as kings and priests and so in the first resurrection this is our fate to be the priests of God and the kings for a thousand years with him now as the text opened John says he that has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches so we have to listen to what the Spirit says to the churches He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. So the second death has a lot of power. And it is is terrifying. But to come up in the first resurrection, we don't ever have to worry about the second death. It has no power over us. And so this is the message to the churches. Get your act together. Get your act together. De-leaven your church. De-leaven your congregation. Fix what's wrong. So that all the saints in your congregation can come into the first resurrection. That's the love of God. And we will not be hurt by the second death. Now, Isaiah speaks about these resurrections. He says in Isaiah 26 and verse 19, The dead men shall live. Isaiah saw these, all these people who are dying, they're going to live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. So Isaiah knew that he would be resurrected. And he's saying the dead the, the all these people that we see that have been slaughtered they're going to rise with me awake and sing you that dwell in the dust so that he could clearly see this resurrection awake and sing you that dwell in the dust and that's exactly what the Saints we, we read that John saw this The 144,000 are like this choir praising Jesus Christ the Lamb for what he has accomplished awake and sing you that dwell in the dust, for your dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. So when Christ returns in triumph, the earth will just cast out the dead. The saints are just going to rise from their graves, from our graves, and meet Christ in the air. That's what Isaiah saw. This is the first resurrection. But notice Isaiah saw something else as well. In verse fourteen he says, They are dead, they shall not live. They are deceased they shall not rise so there's a second death that it's not sleep it's it's going out of existence so these dead shall not rise therefore have you visited and destroyed them and made all their memory perish so daniel saw it. some will rise to to glory some will rise to everlasting shame and contempt and then they'll just be thrown into the uh, lake of fire and that's it for them but but uh, Um, so Daniel saw both Isaiah saw both as well now this becoming kings and priests all the way back to the Torah it is the very mission from the beginning what Christ promised to Abraham that he would work through Israel through this nation and this nation he says you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests a kingdom of priests king priests it's going to be a ruling priesthood And a holy nation and it's going to rule over the whole earth with christ and all nations are going to come to christ through this nation of kings and priests these are the words which you shall speak unto the children of israel israel will be the nation that god will rule through and all christians are grafted into israel god only has this 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 covenant relationship with israel with nobody else god does not have a relationship with gentiles gentiles have to convert and becomes into the nation be converted into the nation of Israel for God to have a relationship with Israel well with anybody and saying so, it is this nation of Israel that God will marry and that will rule over the whole earth and bring people to Christ back to revelation now he says when the thousand years were expired Satan shall be loosed out of prison And I just want to take a, a moment to talk about this for a moment and, and you know this this book is for the saints um and so you know we may have some people listening to this who are not uh, baptized into christ uh you know you should really pursue the baptism of christ because this book is something that god has given to christ for christ to give to the saints so i'm speaking to here uh, an educated audience about the holy days if you don't know about the holy Di- days go to cgi.org uh, in the search bar Just type Holy Days, God's Holy Days, and you'll get a lot of educational material there. But we know there are Spring Holy Days and there are Fall Holy Days. Chapter 19, where we were last week, the triumphant return of Jesus Christ, that is part of the Fall Holy Day plan. And it is pictured and signified by the Feast of Trumpets. That's the announcement of Christ's triumphant return. Then we saw this binding of the devil which is pictured by the Day of Atonement and you can compare uh, Revelation 20 verse 4 or verses uh, 1 to 4 with Leviticus 16 where we see the binding of the Azazel then we see the reigning of the Saints for a thousand years pictured by the Feast of Tabernacles and then the last great day what I want to call your attention to here is that Satan is bound for a thousand years And that is pictured by the Day of Atonement. So he is bound for a thousand atonements. The saints rule for a thousand years, but the rule of the saints doesn't begin until uh, uh, Tabernacles, which is five days after atonement. So there's this gap between atonement and Tabernacles. There's a gap between the binding of Satan and the installment of the Saints as king priests and that gap is important this is why the second resurrection is so dangerous because after a thousand atonements Satan is released out of his prison but the thousand tabernacles have not yet concluded and so there's this period of time that satan has before the second resurrection so satan is loosed out of his prison and notice that he was bound here for a thousand years so that's a thousand atonements and as soon as he's released what does he do he goes out to deceive the nations that is his target as soon as he's released he says in verse says in verse eight and he shall go out to deceive the nations That is who he is. That is what he is. He's a deceiver. And so as soon as he's released, first order of business, he's been there, bound a thousand years. He's just been waiting for this moment because he knows he's going to be released. As soon as he's released on that thousandth atonement, he's released. He goes out immediately to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth. And and that's important for us to note as well, is that when Christ returns and he crushes his enemies in, in in Armageddon, he doesn't crush the whole world people live the, the armies are crushed and destroyed but the people of the nations are still there in those nations and they are they then go into the millennial rule of Christ and and the earth is repopulated from the people of these nations Satan now is released and he immediately first order of business is to go to the nations and to and to pursue them with his deceit. So immediately he goes after the nations to pursue them with this deceit. So there has just been this countdown all the way along. He's just been counting, 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 waiting for his moment. As soon as his moment comes, he goes to the four quarters of the earth. It says here, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Now, uh, Gog and Magog, Uh, Ezekiel spoke of these and this is um, uh, really we could say is the 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 Antichrist uh, and and the land of the Antichrist and so there is this uh, Antichristic power that continues uh, when Satan is released and what I want to call your attention here is this deception when he goes out to deceive the world uh, John says the number of those who go along with him is as the sand of the sea so so God promised to Abraham that he would have descendants like the sand of the sea Satan wants the same thing and so he is so bent on 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 conquest that he's able to deceive so many all these people who've lived through the millennium and and seen Jesus Christ reigning on earth the Saints on earth seen the beautiful construction that has been taking place for a thousand years as soon as Satan is released The number of people that go along with him is as the sand of the sea and this is where I take exception to people saying oh they'll be in the second resurrection everything's fine and uh, you know what most of humanity will be in the kingdom of God the text says that when Satan is released the number of people who follow him is as the sand of the sea after a thousand years of the millennial rule of Christ that there's a, a huge number billions of people it's, it's uncountable how many people go with Satan <clears throat> so John says blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power the second death has a lot of power over these people who go along with Satan and, and, and the reason they go along with Satan I certainly believe is this deep-seated hatred of God's plan, they hate what God is doing. That God has chosen a, a select group of, of uh, a select ethnic group that He's going to work with, and this gets under people's skin. This this was the Jewish problem uh, Hitler called it, and not really understanding that it's not just the tribe of Judah; it's the twelve tribes of Israel that God will be working with in this time. But look at this. say why they just say it because she was Jewish here on jihad watch they actually report a bit more detail and they they explain that uh, they explain here let me just uh, clean this up they were able to explain here to us that she was stabbed to death eleven times by a Muslim neighbor that she knew well. The granddaughter of the victim, uh, Noah Goldfarb, wrote on Facebook, 20 years ago, I left Paris knowing that neither my future nor the that of the Jewish people is to be found there. But who would have thought that I was leaving my relatives where terrorism and cruelty would lead to such a tragedy? Grandmother was stabbed to death 11 times by a Muslim neighbor she knew well, who made sure to set fire to her home and left us not even one object, a letter, a photograph to remember her by. All we have are our tears and each other.
0: The two men arrested for killing an 85-year-old French Jewish Holocaust survivor are expected to be charged with the equivalent of a hate crime. Prosecutors want the Muslim suspects to be charged with murder with an additional penalty for killing because of the victim's religion. 85-year-old Muriel Noll was found stabbed to death and so burned in, report, in her Paris apartment. Uh, Investigators say one of the killers had a years-long close this, this, relationship this, uh, with Noll and the two met together
1: and uh unfortunately um sorry let me just uh, fix this.
0: before the murder in fact
1: the uh, odd 24 yeah, news spoke the with the victim's son about his old.
0: outrage and his thoughts on the
1: suspect's background jewish woman is what caused this listen
0: everyone thinks that this was and premeditated
1: here you'll see that um the jews are now realizing it might be time for them to leave europe uh, there is so much anti-semitism now in europe against the jews where they've made their homes that they're all saying you know what let's go to israel let's all let's all migrate back to israel and we know from the prophecy that armies are going to surround jerusalem that that when all the jews are there it's like the hatred is just so deep that like let's let's just get rid of them once and for all and solve this jewish problem well the problem is not jewish Uh, the problem the problem is jesus christ it's not that they hate the Jews. It's that they hate what Jesus Christ has done. They hate the fact that God has selected an ethnic group and that it's not them. And so this is a problem. And and so right before Christ returns, that this hatred for this ethnic group that God has selected, it boils over. And they they just go at it and just want to destroy these people. Then Christ returns. And he rules these nations with an iron rod, that there's no tolerance for nonsense. And so the whole and in fact if they do not come to Jerusalem, if you read Zechariah 14, if they do not come to Jerusalem on the feast days and observe the Feast of Tabernacles with this kingdom of priests, then they'll have no reign. They'll be cursed. They will suffer. And so this is the iron rod that is symbolized by in in the book of Revelation Christ is not tolerating any nonsense and so the whole world is in compliance to Christ but what what we see here is deep in the heart there is still this resentment that God has chosen a specific people and Isaiah says that uh, Israel will milk the breast of kings that all these nations are gonna come with their offerings to Israel and so deep down inside even though they've been alive for a thousand years, they've they've lived with Christ. They've seen the beauty and the, the graciousness of Christ. This bitter resentment is still deep down inside, and when Satan is released, he's able to tap into that human vanity, that says, "Why them? Why not you? You should be the ones." And so this antichristic uh, sentiment rises once again. And so, uh, continue where we left off. Then this this Gog and Magog. Um, Ezekiel saw this in Ezekiel 38 and a lot of people are trying to figure out who's Gog and Magog and and they place this battle before Christ's return but Revelation tells us it comes after the millennium and we know this if we were to read Ezekiel because in Ezekiel 37 is the vision that Ezekiel had of the valley of dry bones and that all Israel and Judah all these bones were resurrected and, and came back to life that that's the second resurrection Ezekiel 37 is the second resurrection and Israel will be resurrected and put in pride of place they will be part of this kingdom of priests and all the other nations are going to have to come and serve them according to the Word of God and then Ezekiel 37 now rolls into Ezekiel 38 with the prophecy of Gog and Magog and that matches perfectly with what we see in Revelation 20 so all these um, interpretations of Ezekiel 38 uh, Gog and Magog is Russia and all this stuff. It's all nonsense, because this happens after the second resurrection. Son of man, set your face against Gog, and the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy prophesy against him. So it's this antichristic force that is going to come up based on the deception of the devil. He's released for a thousand years. So again, he has a, he has a five year head a five day head start at the end of the uh, a thousandth atonement before the end of the thousandth tabernacles and, and then the resurrection, the second resurrection. Uh, so he's out. And so before the second resurrection even happens, he's already out deceiving all the nations. And so now when the, the people come up in the second resurrection, it's not that they come up into the millennium and everything's just so wonderful. The number of people who follow Satan is as the sand of the sea. And now these people come up in the second resurrection and just as it is today, we Christians have to make a choice. And, and, and many times we're ostracized, many times we're persecuted, we suffer for this choice, but we make this choice to resist the devil and to follow Christ. And nobody gets a free lunch here. There's, there's no free pass. Everybody has to make the same decision, to turn away from the devil and to turn toward Christ. And so that's why John says it's necessary that he be loosed for a little season because everybody has to make the same choice do you want Christ or not or do you want the, do you want your lusts because the devil's gonna feed us our lusts and many as number as the sand of the sea are gonna go after their lusts the sort of human vanity what 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 they want to believe about themselves despite the the love that, that Christ wants to bestow upon mankind now here it says continue in verse 9 Revelation 20 and they went up on the breath of the earth this is amazing this is the power of the devil after a thousand years of the millennial rule of christ they went up on the breath of the earth and come past the camp of the saints about so before christ returns jerusalem is surrounded by armies the hatred for this ethnic group is so intense that jerusalem is surrounded by armies and they just want to destroy these people and if, if christ did not cut these days short no flesh would be saved alive. But for the elect's sake, that is Israel, in, in this case, Judah, uh, for the elect's sake, Christ cuts the, this time short so that he can fulfill the promises that he has made to Abraham through, to, to this ethnic group or through this ethnic group, he cuts it short. Now, a thousand years later, it's the same hatred. And so these the same hatred, it's the same devil, it's the same lust of the people, it's the same resentment that God has chosen an ethnic people. They come and they surround the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And notice what happens now. Fire comes down from heaven. So God, God is just going to deal with this uh, once and for all. So he says here, uh, they, they surround the camp of the saints and the, the, the Jerusalem and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them this is the second death and it's the number of them is as the sand of the sea now notice here in isaiah isaiah prophesied that god will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations so when christ returns the deception of the devil is lifted and people finally see what god's plan was all along They're educated. They know all about Adam and Eve and and Abraham and and Israel. And everyone's educated. The veil is now lifted. But when Satan is released, even though these people know the truth, because of the lust and the resentment, they turn to the devil. And now they are just dealt with once and for all. Ezekiel says, That he will, the same prophesy, again, this is why we have to match Ezekiel with Revelation. That the timing is the same. This Gog and Magog is after the second resurrection. I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So God is going to deal with it once and for all. Now this fire from heaven is an echo of the story with Elijah Elijah answered and you'll recall uh, I'm sure many of you remember that uh, the king wanted uh, Elijah arrested and so these, these envoys went out from the king to arrest Elijah and Elijah answered and said unto them if I be a man of God let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 and fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 and this went on several times until finally somebody went and just said please Elijah can you come down and, and acknowledge that he was the man of God and so we are dealing with God here and we're dealing with the people of God and, and that's why we have to have this vision because the beast will not be successful, neither will Gog be successful after the millennium because we're dealing with the true and the living God not nonsense, not fanciful nonsense that we just make up and put in a book but all the prophets saw and spoke the same thing from Deuteronomy here it says for the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you so this is right from the Torah and to give up your enemies before you therefore shall your camp be holy that he see no unclean thing in you and turn away from you so the camp of the Saints is protected and these people come from all over the earth to destroy Jerusalem and fire just consumes them because this is the holy camp of God continuing revelation now now that they're dealt with so that's the final blow of the devil and now all humanity has made their decision we've all been faced with the tree of life which is Christ or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which is the devil and all of us from Adam right down to the very last human being We've all made our choice. And now Satan's purpose is no longer, it's fulfilled. He's no longer useful. And basically Satan is a useful, a terrible, a terrible, terrible, but a useful idiot. And it's over now. And so God now deals with the devil. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet were, should be, and shall be tormented day and night forever. So that's it. Satan is now, first he was just bound because he still had a purpose. And that purpose is to deal with the second resurrection, to deal with those who live through the millennium and those who come up in the second resurrection. Make your choice. Is it God or is it the devil? And then once that's done, the devil has no more purpose. And he says, I saw a great white throne So he sees now this great white throne from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. So we know uh, from Revelation 21 and 22 that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So this old earth and this old heaven symbolically flees away. And there was found no place for them. So this is language that is borrowed from Daniel that this old earth and this old heaven, there's no place for them. Well, in Daniel 2, the the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw when Daniel's interpreting it for him, he says, then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, this whole image of all these kingdoms through time, broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. So this is the language that John is borrowing from Daniel, that it's over. The the rule of the devil, the influence of the devil, this old earth and the heavens, all of it is just gone. So that this new heavens and this new earth comes, and there's no trace, not a single trace, of the old world. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so that's a language that is echoing here in Revelation and John goes on to say and I saw and I saw the dead small and great stand before God <clears throat> so so now this uh, resurrection he sees this the dead small and great stand before God now it's judgment time and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life so the books that were opened are the books of the Bible. So this library of books that all humanity has been working with, these books are now opened and the Book of Life. And so the judgment is going to be according to the law. That how people have decided to live, we're going to look at the books and compare their lives to what's written in the law. And then there's also this other book which is the Book of Life. And basically if if there's compliance with the law, then they can be in the book of life if they've rebelled against god's law then they're not going to be in the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works so this book of life uh, again it's not new revelation is not this brand new thing it's constantly borrowing from the old testament And so here in Exodus, in in the Torah, yet now uh, Moses is pleading on behalf of Israel, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray, out of your book which you have written. So Moses understood that God had a book of life, and he's pleading with God for the sake of Israel to, to redeem Israel. Otherwise, he really saw no purpose in him living. He saw himself as a failure if there's no place for Israel. And God answered, The Lord said to Moses whosoever has sinned against me him will I blot out of my book so so these people of Israel who are in the book of life God will says he will will remove them he'll blot them out the church is Israel and so the same thing is told to the church he that overcomes the same shall be clothed with white in right white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life so our names are in the Book of Life. But if we don't overcome, Christ is saying, I will blot your name out of the Book of Life. So we have to overcome to secure our salvation. We have to make our calling and election sure. Our names are in the Book of Life. But Christ is saying he personally will etch the name out if we do not overcome. But I will conf- instead, if we do overcome, he'll ensure that we stay in the Book of Life and will confess our name before his father and before the angels. And so this is the question of life. That does the second death have power over us? And that's what that means. Being etched out of the book of life means the second death has prevailed over our lives. And that's why we must do all we can to keep those things that are written here in Revelation and to be blessed to be part of the first resurrection. Because the second death has no power over us. Uh, Here in Daniel 12 Again speaking of this book of life that Daniel saw Michael stand up the great prince, which stands up for the children of Israel and There shall be a time of trouble such as was never was since there was a nation until that time and at that time Your people shall be delivered. So Israel will be delivered Every one that shall be found written in the book. So this again revelation is not making up some new thing It's it's the same God that speaks from Genesis to Revelation and so God has this book this book of life and names are in it and some names are being removed right up to the end continuing in Revelation uh, 20 verse 13 and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and now let's look at this works issue works I did an armor of God broadcast and um, some person some random person, I don't know who he is uh, came in the comments section uh, saying, oh stay away from this church, they believe in works they don't believe in John three sixteen, and they don't answer questions I didn't even know who this person is so I just posted, I said uh, excuse me, do you have a question he says yeah why don't you believe in john three sixteen and something like that i said well you know why don't you believe uh in salvation as a gift I, I said we do believe in salvation as a gift absolutely it's a gift but we also believe that you can lose your salvation oh he just went wild and he actually posted on facebook in the comment section that Joe, because of john three sixteen, christ has done it all for us and that uh practicing murderers practicing rapists and I forget what else he said but he definitely said practicing murderers and rapists will be in the kingdom of God <laughs> So I gave him some scriptures to think about and I just cut off communication because works matter and we've just seen that there is a book of life and Christ himself will personally blot us out of that book of life if we do not obey him and so here everyone is judged according to their works so the whole, the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to do the works of God, and then we can be judged according to our works, because the Holy Spirit, God, is working in us and we're doing the work of God. And God does not play favorites; he, he does not respect; he's not a respecter of persons. Everybody gets the same judgment, and he says, "I know your works here to the church," and so so these you know he says he says to John, write to the seven churches which are in Asia and he tells him what to write this this is Christ personally communicating to the seven churches which are in Asia and then these seven churches are symbolic of the whole church through time and so to the whole church here's the message in Revelation 2 verse 2 I know your works in Revelation 2 verse 5 do the first works in Revelation 2 9 I know your works in Revelation 2 13 I know your works in Revelation 2 19 I know your works in Revelation 223 he says uh, I will give unto every one of you according to your works in Revelation 3, 1, uh, he says I know your works in Revelation 32 he says I have not found your works perfect before God in Revelation 38 I know your works in Revelation 315 I know your works and so I, I, I hope we get it the, the communication to the church is. Clean up your act, and get busy, and do the works of God, and don't do the works of the devil, because I'm coming to judge, and I will judge you according to your works. So even though salvation is a gift, there's a requirement that goes along with it, that we're called to be kings and priests, and in order to serve in that capacity, we must do the work of God. And these people in the end time, when they're brought before God, they must also face God and be judged by or according to their works. And so, you know, here we are on this side of the first resurrection. We must do all we can to be in the first resurrection, and, and Christ's personal letters to the church say, get busy and do the do the first works to Ephesus. Do your works. You know, make sure that you're, you're you're washing your sins in the blood of Christ. So that we can be acceptable to him and we're doing the works of god and then in verse 14 and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire so now that's it so the wicked are are subjected to the second death and then death is subjected to death so there's now no more death now everybody that lives after this lives eternally and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death so he says this is the first resurrection and no, the second death has no power over, over those and now he says this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire and so that is uh, quite an end a tragic end to human life that anybody who is not found in the book of life is then cast into this lake of fire so again we must do all we can to be on the right side of God, to think like God, to work like God, to, to, to act, to have the character of God. Now, that is the end of chapter 20. Uh, it ends with the second death. And that anybody who now is not in the book of life is in the lake of fire. Those in the book of life now go on to life, eternal life. And just a little bit of review chapter 21 and chapter 22 we did already but just to call out a couple of verses as we conclude here I saw a new heaven and a new earth so the old heaven and the old earth were, they fled away the first heaven and the first earth were passed away there was no more sea and I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and so now this is the marriage of Christ And this is what everything has been moving toward. And uh, this bride is now ready for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. So God personally will dwell with us. Now that the the earth is purified, Christ has done everything, now he's going to turn it over to the Father. And the Father is going to come and dwell with us on earth, and we shall be his people. And God himself will be with us and be our God. God will wipe away all tears from our eyes and there'll be no more death this is now eternal life everybody now lives forever and ever and ever no more death neither sorrow nor crying all of this terrible tribulation and suffering that's a thing of the past there'll be no more pain no more pain and the former things are passed away and he that sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. There's a lot of words, and a lot of words are false, and faithless, and made up. But these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. So Christ, again, the holy days, he is the beginning, the Passover, and the last great day. He's the end. And all this has all been about Christ and what Christ is doing for mankind and mankind marrying Christ he's the beginning and the end I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely he that overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son and he's jumping ahead now to chapter 22 He said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. Again, it's repeated. We can really hold on to these sayings. And I think as we've gone through this book of Revelation, we've just seen how tightly integrated it is with the whole Word of God. That that these, uh, uh, I believe it's um, 44 different authors, three different continents, three different uh, languages, but it's the same Holy Spirit that has inspired all of these men to speak the Word of God. And because it is the same God, they all spoke the same vision. And, and, and John says this, you know, this, this book of Revelation is, it's like the buckle on the belt that just pulls it all together and holds it all together. And he says, these sayings are faithful and true. And so we just have to be immersed in this. And see, this is reality. In other words, this is reality. There's a lot of deception going on. And if we kind of look just with our eyes and listen to the news and listen to these false prophets there's a lot of ways we can be deceived but these sayings are faithful and true and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass that's really interesting it's the Lord God of the holy prophets so all the holy prophets spoke the same thing they all saw the same thing and the God of these prophets sent his angel to john to show us the things which must shortly be done so it's the same god and we can take all of the prophets and the book of revelation and put them all together and understand what's going to happen because these sayings are faithful and true behold i come quickly It, it you know here we are passover is tomorrow night and after the feast of tabernacles it just seems so far away but Passover was coming quickly and now here it is and the Lord is coming quickly and one day we're gonna say here he is here he is blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book and Satan will want us to forget this but the, the, the text opens by saying blessed is he that reads and they that hear and that is in the present continuous tense really what it should be translated Blessed is he that reads and keeps reading, and they that hear and keep hearing the, the the words of this prophecy. So we have to, in other words, Jesus Christ wants us immersed in the book of Revelation. We should be immersed in the book of Revelation. And because it's the same God of all the holy prophets, any other book that we study can be tied back in to the book of Revelation. So we have to. What the what the devil wants is for us to turn away from Revelation. Oh, that's too difficult. It's too strange. And uh, why why bother? That's what the devil wants. What Christ wants is that we're in the Book of Revelation, and we we never we we got out in detail. And anything that happens, we're like, Yeah, that's that's in the book. Isn't that? I think that's in chapter thirteen. That's how God wants us to think. He says, "For I testify." unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book so we've now heard the words of the prophecy of this book if any man shall add unto these things god shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book so we have to be very careful reading it line by line going back to the torah going back to the prophets trying to understand what it is that's saying because we don't want to be somebody who's adding to this and and, you know may god forgive me if i've said anything incorrect and that you have the ability to search the scriptures and see are these things so? Because we don't want to fall into this category, nor do we want to fall into this category. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Again, this book of life. If we're not in the book of life, we don't have eternal life. And people can be in the book of life and then they can be removed. And so if somebody's in the book of life, but they start taking away words from this prophecy, God will take them out of the Book of Life. And all these false prophets, I mean, don't do they not realize that we're dealing with God? I, I don't know, I, words fail me. You know, it's, uh, the Quran and people running them down saying Allah is God and it doesn't, it doesn't align with the holy prophets. Here we read Revelation and it aligns perfectly with the holy prophets. So anybody who takes anything away from this, so in other words, the book has to be preserved and we have to read the whole book and we have to study the whole book and Christ doesn't want us messing with the book. He doesn't want us just reading part and leaving out part. He wants us to digest the whole thing and be immersed in the whole thing continually. <clears throat> he which testifies these things says, surely I come quickly. And there's just this definitiveness about this statement. There's no rewind. When Christ comes, it's over. And wherever we are, we are. And if we're ready for Him, and our there's oil in our lamps, and we, we can go out to meet Him, wonderful. And if we're not ready for Him, oh well. Oh well. There's no rewind. There's no oh. Can we do this over? It says right here. Surely I come quickly. Amen even so come lord jesus we we need you to come you know ready or not here he comes even so come lord jesus the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all amen what a great way for us to end this study of the book of revelation is simply to say the grace of our lord jesus christ be with us all amen now in revelation 2 Verse 11, let's just go back over that again. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So this judgment, this wrath that is coming down upon the earth, the church is also subject to it. And that's why Christ is saying to John, write to the seven churches and tell them from me, get your act together. Because I'm coming with fierce anger and you don't want to be the subject of my fierce anger. So, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And as we've been reading the book of Revelation, the Spirit has been speaking to us. So let's hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. So, the book of Revelation is all about overcoming. And we need the vision in order to have the conviction to overcome. And here in chapter 12, verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. How did we overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb. So tomorrow we're going to be observing the Passover. And it's all about the blood of the Lamb. And when we understand the blood of the Lamb and the love of the Lamb, this is how we overcome the devil that as powerful as the devil is and we see when he was loosed from prison after a thousand years that he goes out and to seize the whole world all over again uh, it was by the sand the sea of the sand the uh, sand of the sea that that's how many he successfully converts back to his way but those that overcome we don't overcome him with our own intelligence we don't overcome him with our own strength we overcome him by what we're going to be observing tomorrow night with the Passover by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony understanding the blood of the lamb he, he, he gave his life to wash our sins away from us in his blood and when we understand that it gives us a conviction to hold on to our testimony Satan is angry his slaves are angry and they hate Jesus Christ they may they may talk about christ but they hate him and so in that face of hatred because we understand the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood of the lamb we hold on to our testimony and we keep those things that are written therein and they loved not their lives unto the death it's okay we are willing he died for us we're willing to die for him it's okay we're not among those that oh no harm can come to me i must be in the place of safety Uh, otherwise God has let me down no if God requires me to give my life for him even so amen because look what he's done for me he says that he 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 washed our sins away from us in his own blood and he's made us kings and priests unto God and his father so uh, here again you see that's exactly what He says here that he loved us and washed us washed our sins in his own blood so I think that's a great place for us to end Uh, this ends the study of the book of Revelation I want to spend one more week uh, next week just going over the whole book so let's just look at the structure of the book let's do a little bit of analysis of the book Uh, but as far as the line-by-line study of the book of Revelation we, we conclude tonight uh, thank you so much. Uh, those of you who've been with me from the very beginning, going line by line, uh, uh, here we have done it. And, and it's not—it's not such a scary book. In fact, it's a very inspiring book. It's not such a complicated book. It does make sense. We don't have all the answers yet. Uh, that's why Christ says, "Blessed is he," uh, or John says, "Inspired by Christ." Blessed is he who reads and keeps reading, and they who hear and keep hearing because we have to stay on top of it, and we, it's, it's signified, it's coded. And over time, Christ allows us to decode it, partially just as things develop in the world, but also partially, it's like God puts these hurdles, and it's only those who hunger and thirst who are going to make the effort to get over the hurdles to seek the understanding. It's kind of, this apocalyptic literature turns away the lazy, and it turns away those who are not serious. But those of us who are serious we're going to struggle with it and then christ through his grace is going to give us answers and then as time unfolds and 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 things begin to happen around us prophecies will will begin to make sense to us so let's not end it here we'll come back next week we'll do a summary and an analysis of the book and then let's not end it there either let's keep studying this but notice this he loves us and he's washed us from our sins in his own blood And with that, I'll say have a wonderful and most meaningful Passover service tomorrow night. Have a wonderful Feast of Unleavened Bread. God bless you, and we look forward to having another study next week as we summarize and analyze the Book of Revelation.